My name is Jack, and I'm a compulsive overeater. <laughs> Who's the timer? Oh, good. Um, Five-minute warning. Five minute oh my God, this is so weird. I'm feeling. Uh, I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling alive. If I had to make a list of the people that I would want to be here today, it's kind of funny how this unfolded. So first, the Don asked me to speak. I said, it'll be great to see you that day. He said, well, I won't be there. And I said, um, I won't take it personally. He said, why? I think you should. And so then I called my sponsor and I said, I'm going to be speaking Saturday. He says, well, I won't be there. Well, they both showed up. They're both here. I know it's not for me. But here's the thing. I was much happier thinking they weren't going to be here. So now I've got to, like, you know, really be honest. And my heart got full real quick. I wasn't expecting to see Jeff. I wasn't expecting to see Bobby. I wasn't expecting to see Len. These are people that... Um, all kidding aside, have touched my heart. I mean, here, here, let me just start and get this out of the way. Many, many, many years ago, I, I was in program already, I fell. I was in the bathroom in the middle of the night and I fell. And I hit my chest on the point of the, um, the low, yeah, it really hurt. And I was having a little problem breathing. I was convinced I broke something. It was two in the morning and I didn't know what to do. So I worked at a treatment center by then. And I called the treatment center in San Pedro and said, if you do me a favor, call me every hour. And if I don't answer, call 911. Okay, so that was said. An hour or two later, I called somebody in this room. This was in 1984, three, four. And I said, you work at Santa Monica or St. John's Hospital, don't you? And he said, yes. I said, it's a good hospital. So I, I, you know, I spent years not going to doctors. When I was 300 pounds, uh, my mom died, well, I'll get there, but when my mom died and I was 300 pounds, I didn't go to doctors. I didn't want to be told I was fat. I didn't want anybody getting in my face about my weight. And mothers take care of health things. And mine was gone, so I didn't have to. So I called this guy and I said, is it a good hospital? And he said, yeah. He worked in the business office like it really mattered. I mean, they did their, <laughs> they know how to do columnar adding real well. That's what he told me. So I, ch- I went and I drove to the ER by myself. And I'm laying there. They put me in a room. I'm laying there on my back, wanting to cry, wishing I had somebody to call and bring. I lived by myself in Santa Monica at the time. And the door, and my eyes are closed. And the door opens. And it didn't open my eyes. And I'm playing with my head here saying, okay, I died. It's God. And, okay. And all of a sudden, I feel a hand on the back of my head. And it's stroking the back of my head. Now I'm really convinced I'm, like, out there. And I get a kiss on the forehead. And I opened my eyes, and it was Len. And he came in, he stroked the back of my head, he gave me a kiss, and then he left. I don't think he, I don't think he said anything. That's basically what this program has given me for the last 36 years. Um, I grew up, I mean, literally, if you cross the line and get out of Beverly Hills, uh, is the line of Beverly Hills adjacent, which is where we lived, like two blocks that way. And... Um, very normal life. I won't bore you with the details. Uh, half of you can sing along the story. And um, <laughs> it's the same start. That part hasn't changed. But I, I, I realize that big persona, in case you can't tell. Um, <laughs> those days I wore weird clothes only because that's all they sold at the big men's shop. I didn't wear them by choice. I wore them by, you want the blue ugly shirt or you want the yellow ugly shirt. And it was this little guy this big who had never weighed more than like 130 telling me how wonderful I looked in stripes or plaid or black or not black. It's uh, you know, a little putt. Um, I don't judge, of course. Um, and so it was kind of normal, but I always felt like here. 
like the, the music is this way and I'm very, I guess the word is atonal. I'm going this way. I'm like the Dave Rubeck of life. Everybody else is on, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three, or one, two, three, four. I'm sitting there in five, four, trying to, trying to, da, 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 da. it can't be done. You can't tap your foot to Dave Rubeck. Um, unless you have, no, I won't go there. Forgive me. Don't, don't you two start. Um, so, um, I grew up right here. I went to elementary school and I was already fat. And I already felt different. Hand in hand. I think then those are the only things that made me feel really different. Uh, flabby, uh, fat, uh, bigger boobs in the, the little boys. As the girls are growing, mine are, mine are also. And um, I go to middle school and it was humiliating. Uh, shirts and don't. In fact, in today's crossword puzzle, there's a clue for a word about a team on uh, uh, playground sports teams. And I said, if it's four letters or if it's five, it was skins. So for any of you men, probably some of the men, women might know, skins and shirts. So half of you stand over there and take off your shirt. And half of you stand over there and we can tell who's who. Like they couldn't tell who I was with my shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah. So shirts and skins, I always had a stomach ache for. If I, was, if I was skins, I was out. I'm telling you now, if I was skins, I was out. Um, and I couldn't do any of the things that were the, the signs of, of, of male prowess. And I won't go into a lot of detail about uh, uh, this Jewish guy's opinion of the importance in learning how to climb a rope and do monkey bars in the life of an adult Jew. Uh, but probably there's no men or women who really uh, probably benefit a lot from that. But I couldn't climb the monkey bars. I couldn't climb the rope. Um, um, Guys were worried about sliding down and chafing the inside. I already had chafed insides of my legs. I didn't have to slide down a far cut the rope to get that. And so then I wake up. I'm at Fairfax High School. And um, I'll never forget. It was, it was in 66. My mom got sick. Mom's got sick. You know, she had a cold. We were in Tahoe. Came back. We went to Kaiser. And uh, she passed out. And it didn't, it, I mean, it was scary, but it didn't mean a lot to me. And six months later, she died. And so the big line of demarcation for me was then because I didn't ever know a parent that had died. I went to Fairfax High School. There were no divorces back in my generation. There was no wife beating. There was no well, Jews don't, We don't have alcoholism. We don't have drug addiction. We don't have anything. We have nothing. Um, um, just the hatred of the world. Anyway, um, so I had a dead mother, which I was both brazen and bold about but also humiliated by. So now I'm fat. Funny, I couldn't tuck my shirt tails in there either. A fat couldn't tuck my shirt tails in. I had a hideous crew cut. Not a crew cut. A hideous crew cut. And, um, and a dead mother. And um, I stood out like a friggin' sore thumb. Or I thought I did. Or a little of both. Um, I graduated. I was reasonably popular. I was told all my life how smart I was. I didn't believe a soul. So now my insides are telling me who I am, emotionally, mentally, and my outsides are looking very different. And so um, I go to UCLA because, again, the smart ones of my class went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton. It was the lowlifes who went to UCLA and SC, um, mostly SC. Um, and so uh, I'm just saying, oh, he's not here. That's good. So. Uh, um, so I go to UCLA and I rush to get through. I found the major that was the easiest and I'm getting bigger and bigger. I hit 300 at 18 years old. And the one story that I like to tell us of the neighborhood, I, I was reminded of it recently at a bowling alley because we were talking about this. 
the Fat Burger that used to be right here in La Cienica across from, oh, you're local too. Fat, uh, okay, so you guys know the Fat Burger. It came here in, I'm guessing, late 70s, early 80s. I'm guessing, I may be wrong. But it was one of the first ones around here. At two in the morning, it was a motley, motley crowd that was there. There was drug addicts, alcoholics, and uh, uh, there were no people from my temple there, let's put it that way. <laughs> no Goldbergs, no Freedmans at, at, at the Fat Burger. Forget the kosher issue. So I, I was going to go there whether you were there or not. I, I, I'm not going to let a mere fear stop me from getting my, my fix. And so uh, I go there in the middle of the night and I was scared shitless. And what I wound up doing for the first, well, not consciously for the first time in my life, I developed a twitch. I mean, I didn't really develop a twitch, but I developed a twitch. And then I started talking to myself. And you know what? There's virtually nobody that will approach you if you're talking to yourself. You weigh 300 pounds. You're the only white person for four miles. And, and, and you're twitching. They tend to leave you and your food alone. And, uh, which is really what I wanted. I want to go to line, get my food, and go home. So I did that. Um, it was a mess. It was a mess. And again, laughing on the outside, but I was a mess. Uh, I thought about suicide on a regular basis. I went to law school. I, again, for those who've heard it, too bad. Um, the obligatory 11th step in some versions of the Old Testament. Uh, thou must go to law school. So I went to law school, and I, uh, while at UCLA, I lost 100 pounds. Get to law school and gain it back. And as if that didn't do it, I took up uh, drinking. I was drinking uh, vodka, because it tastes really good with orange juice, and Valium I was taking. And I took the Valium that I was stealing from the trunk of the car I was borrowing from my father, who was still filling prescriptions of my dead mother. So it was a real, you know, good system. <laughs> and the, and, the, and the, the, the dissonance was about my dad is a suit, was a suit, top security clearance, Department of Defense. So he's a federal employee in a suit, and he's stealing Valium from my mother, and I'm stealing Valium from him. Um, and we're a normal Jewish family of the 50s and 60s. <laughs> Again, the adult child of a Jewish accountant. Um, so I gained back the 100 pounds, and now I really want to kill myself. Now, I've got a law degree, and I'm thin. Now I've gained the weight back. I've got a law degree I'm, I can't use. I can't use it. I can't do it. Ran out of gas. Hit a wall. Bottomed out. Changed careers. Went into another career, which I was equally as incompetent at. Um, probably a little more incompetent, actually. Um, I sold life insurance for four and a half years. Never bought a policy. But how much can you like something that you're selling that you don't even buy it? You should buy it. I'm not going to buy this shit. So um, after four and a half years, I had nowhere to go. No job, no career. I'm vacillating somewhere between 180 and 305 on any given day. <laughs> um, and I'm fried. And I'm living alone in palms. And... Uh, <laughs> Nagahide reclining chair with the gear shift. Um, <laughs> to look back at it, yeah, I, I, I wasn't laughing at it, but you can look back at it, it's ridiculous. But then this is what happened. And I was thinking on the way here, thank God Terrell's not here, because I'm going to have to talk about God in the steps. Um, <laughs> and if I don't, that'll be the first question. If he thinks he's getting called on, he's got another thing coming. <laughs> I'd rather write about it than ask him a question. Have him ask me a question. So I fall into program. This is where the God working in my life. I um, call a friend 
who tells me uh, she heard about the thing called OA. I go to OA and now it's 36 years later and I don't know how it happened. I've gotten old in this program, got some gray in this program, I wear reading glasses in this program. Um, what I did in the beginning, if you're new, was I kept coming back. I kept coming back. In my case, not difficult because I liked it here. I liked it here. You guys were warm, you were friendly, I didn't trust that it was real, but I was willing to hope it was. And now, look around, I mean, you know, Len was offering me love, Bobby was offering me love, some of you people who have been around a long time, Adam's been around forever, Luana, Terrell, uh, 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 they're still here. And they're still offering the same thing as I was needing and getting when they came here. And so, what started out as a meeting I'll dabble in at Beverly Hills High School was meeting every night or every day, seven days a week. I couldn't work anymore, so I was working like very, very little, um, weaning off of my career. And all I did for the first eight months was whine from the podium about my disdain for my body, my career, and um, that's all I talked about. It was my career as a 30-year-old Jew at that time, when all my friends were marrying for the first time, uh, moving to Encino for the first time. <laughs> buying their house for the first time which they then had to sell and rebuy um, in divorce um, they were all doing things and my friends that were uh, lost you know, uh, went to law school with me were practicing lawyers already and I was sitting here farting around like uh, finding myself uh, <laughs> and they never liked what I found when I found so uh, <laughs> I still had to pay the shrink bill it was bizarre so anyway I, um, I found a way I came to a meeting every day I got a sponsor the first meeting I went to. They said, find somebody who has what you want. And I, I said, the guy's male. It was a speaker, actually, from the meeting. He was male. He was thin. He had been fat. He was funny. And he was married. That was enough. The guy was nuts as a loon. <laughs> and I'm still friends with him, and he's still nuts as a loon. But six years. And then when we split up, I got a second sponsor. Don't do what I did. The second sponsor was a woman. It's frowned upon to have a, a sponsor of the opposite sex. It was the best six years, well, it was the best six years of my life to that point. Uh, six years she guided me and took me from a diet, food plan mentality to what the program's about, which is um, working the, the 12 steps, being absent, working the 12 steps, and uh, having a relationship with a higher power. Uh, we fired each other at the end of six years. I have a six-year limit on relationships. And then uh, Carol came into my life, and I'm not supposed to talk about, you know, personalities, but I've been sponsored by the same person, the same anonymous person for 20-whatever-it-is years. He probably remembers the hour it started. Now you don't remember anything. Um, so I kept coming back. I had a sponsor, and I was going to a ton of meetings. And I lied through my teeth. I lied about everything. And you know what? It was the best I could do then. It was the best I could do. They told me what to eat, so I said I was eating it. Never ate it. <laughs> but I, I, my goal weight was 180. I hit 180, and then I kept going down to 158. And the more worried they were, the happier I was. When people started saying, you look sick, I said, thank you. In, in the early 80s, they assumed, for a lot of reasons, I was gay, I had AIDS, and I was dying. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, and I wasn't. Um, but, but it felt good to be worried about. It felt good to be too skinny. It felt good to have clothes that fit for 15 minutes. Okay, so this is what I've learned in the last 25 years. I, I prayed this morning on the way here. Um, I don't harbor the illusion that any person, place thing or a uh, job will fix anything anymore. 
I know that. I get a daily reprieve predicated upon keeping a fit spiritual condition. I'm powerless over food. Oh, uh, not that it matters a lot. I've got a, a couple pictures. But um, I'm powerless over food. That's, I mean, I'd have to be a, a, a lot stupider than I sometimes think I am to doubt that reality. Uh, I've come to believe I don't know in what. I don't know in what. And um, he helps and he doesn't help and he helps and he doesn't help. Um, my second sponsor said, how about come to believe in a source of information within you that if accessed and tapped and honored and implemented would allow you to function at a higher level than you've ever functioned before. A source of information within me that if accessed, because it's there. There's a line in an outside piece of literature said the, uh, the Buddhahood in each of us has already been obtained. We need only recognize it. So I didn't come here and get this stuff. I came here and uh, got my new pair of glasses. So when I came here, I could see well, but I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see what was in front of me. I couldn't see that uh, Len was important. I couldn't see that Bobby was important. I couldn't see that Terrell was going to hold my hand and walk me through. I couldn't see that. I didn't even know I wanted it. I wouldn't have thought I did if told. And now it's 25 years later. I bitched about my career. I've had a career now for 35 years since then that um, I, I don't think the business part of it notwithstanding I don't think I've, I've, I've regretted one day of the 35 years I didn't have five minutes of anything about selling insurance or being, uh, being in the law world that I enjoyed um, I'm married now uh, I was married early in program I got divorced early in program and I've been married now for uh, almost 17 years and Marriage for a lot of people, certainly, but for me is a challenge because I really am more familiar still with alone, with the food, and an excuse. Um, I'm going today after here, which is why I dressed up. Um, <laughs> a shirt with long sleeves, Terrell, and you haven't seen the shoes yet. They're gold. <laughs> hey, they don't go with anything, but I bought them, I'm wearing them. And I love to see the reaction of the guy in the front desk. Um, I've written four steps. I've read them to people. My second sponsor, one of, some sponsor along the way, Neil. Uh, I was reading it to him at Dolores's on Santa Monica Boulevard. And um, he said it was so boring that not only did he fall asleep, he said, I fell asleep reading it. He said, that's boring. Um, apparently that story goes in Minnesota out to a lot of AA meetings. Um, in six and seven, I play on a regular basis. I was thinking in the morning here. I still have uh, this much lust, this much envy. Um, um, I don't exercise very much. Uh, this is the oldest I've ever been. And it's, uh, um, I mean, I'm old. I officially, I'm old. Um, um, and you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. Most of my friends that went to law school with me are very wealthy and very retired. And uh, I am neither. Um, but if you find a career you love, you don't work a day. I mean, I love what I do, so I'm going to be working until I'm, I think, 120. Um, and my relationship with my higher power is, is difficult only because uh, when I put in the time and the energy to try to get in sync, everything's fine. And when I don't, it's not. I write every day. I write every day. This regimen started about six years ago when I got busted by this anonymous sponsor who said, you go in a program, but you're not working the program. And I told him to shove it up his ass. And, um, 
after I told them, well, you're right, but you know, separate issue. And so now I write every day, and I would say 95% of the days I call him by 5.30, quarter to 6, 26, something like that. And now, the other one that to me is a big deal, I don't know if it is to him, but I call that one out of 10 or 15 days when I have to tell him, I didn't write yesterday. In the beginning, that would... I don't know if he, he stayed on the line the whole time, but I would be a 15-minute explanation of why I didn't write. And I would tell him that my schedule and everything. Now I tell him I didn't write. I didn't write. I didn't take the time to write. I can't see him appeal. I don't have the time. Um, I'm going today to a birthday party of a man who uh, should have died about a month ago on my bowling team who had a diabetic, went into a diabetic coma not knowing he was diabetic. And his number, for those of you who know, was not 400 or 500 dangerous. It was 1,400. He was unconscious on the floor for 24 hours. They don't know why he's not dead. He's alive and he's giving himself a, 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 a live party. I'm going. And uh, of course I would go. I go on Monday nights to visit a man who's housebound to weigh 650 pounds. We get a meeting there and we go every Monday night, a bunch of guys, because he called OA and reached out. And that's what would have been done for me if, if I had had the wherewithal to call and not the wherewithal to walk to a meeting. Um, um, my relationship with my father for the first 20, 30 years of my life was very charged and volatile and very weird and very enmeshed. And for the last 30 years of our life, it was wonderful, wonderful. And when he died, it was everything I wanted in a relationship with somebody who was dying. And um, um, not quite the same reaction as when my mom died and I gained 8,000 pounds and uh, didn't come up for air for 15 years. Um, every area of my life, uh, I go through the steps on a regular basis. I'm reading. When I'm done with the reading, I start another reading book. It's the 12 Steps of OA. It's the 12 Steps of AA. It's the big book. I think, I think we've done one non-AA. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we haven't, but we could. Uh, because all of it's about the same thing. You ask Terrell what time it is, he'll say, ask God. You, know, you talk to my sponsor and most of the people that I talk to up there, uh, you know, that I talk to about my real things, uh, I'll tell them my cohorts, what step are you working? I mean, and uh, it, it seems folly, but you know what? There's nothing that this program can't address. There's no issue. There's, I mean, because at its roots, there's only four or five things. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm jealous, I'm... I'm these are the character defects that keep coming up over and over again. I know about them. I'm trying to turn some of the yeah, defects into assets. Um, to, not to go through the steps real quick, but I, I've made a lot of amends. I will continue to make them. I screw up on a fairly regular basis. Ergo, a tenth step. Eleventh is what my program is about. And twelve. I come here. I reach out. I, I try to be of service and do the right thing because um, my life is better when I do. It may help you, but it certainly helps me. If you're new, I don't know what have, has anything to do with anything other than I'm not fat anymore. I don't hate myself anymore. I don't want to die anymore. I've got a fellowship of men and women, many of whom I've known for a really long time, who love me and who I love and who are there to support me and vice versa. And um, this it's free and it's not at all. So, I mean, I, there ain't no better deal for me in the world. If you do, please keep coming back and thank you, Don. Thanks. Uh, now it's time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us uh, after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself uh, because we are, I guess, being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, and I will restate the questions and we keep going till, um 9.35. And there'll be a five-minute warning. Um, okay. Yeah. Hi. I was wondering uh, if it came in late, but 
your relationship with your former spouse and if you have any children from that marriage? Question. Uh, the question was, do I have a relationship? No, actually, I was, uh, uh, let me put this gently. Uh, she decided she didn't want to be married anymore. We were married for a short while. She already had a child. Uh, uh, so there was, there was none of that issue. At the end of three and a half years, she uh, decided she didn't want to be married anymore. And I've only seen her twice since. I said hello both times, and she walked away both times. And that was 30, uh, 20, almost 25 years ago. So I've been uh, in touch with a couple of her relatives, but I decided to be respectful. Uh, I walked away from uh, in-laws, uh, a stepdaughter, uh, an adult stepdaughter, um, and I've never seen her again. Um, I would welcome the opportunity. I did not go to the funeral when invited of my uh, one of my nephews through that side or my father-in-law from that side, though asked by some relatives uh, included. And I said I wanted to be both. I think it was mostly respectful to my ex-wife. Uh, if she was that filled with whatever she was filled with, I didn't. It was more important that she have that uh, respected than me getting whatever I get from um, making closure with these two people. Both of, I mean, my relationship with her family was wonderful, a lot better than it was with her. So, <laughs> Jeff. So you hinted You noticed? <laughs> Somebody, the question is about spiritual beliefs vis-a-vis uh, my religion of origin. The funny thing was, somebody from this seat said a long time ago, I was raised Jewish, but heck, that didn't mean anything about God. God was not part of my upbringing. And I was raised in a conservative Jewish home, which means we kept kosher in the house, as I do now. We observed the holidays, uh, the major holidays, as I do now. Um, um, but I had no, like, there, there was no discussion of God in any way. Um, I found articles outside literature that talk about the absolute lack of need of any conflict between my religion of origin and the 12 steps. Written by knowledgeable 12-step Jewish people, and one in particular is a rabbi, so he has, as far as I'm concerned, the, the, the blessing of knowledge to bring to the table. Need not be a conflict. And for me... Uh, I don't know enough of the precepts technically to argue with a, a, a good Jew, but I choose to, to integrate it in every and any way I need. And the older I get also, the less... I said to my wife out of the clear blue sky this week, I don't want to have... Not, it wasn't about us. I don't want to win more arguments anymore. I want to have less arguments. And so if the rabbi who I study with every week Every week for years, a Chabad rabbi for 10 years wants to argue, which I don't think he would. I'm not arguing. I go to Temple on most, most Friday nights now, which I did not go before. It's made me, I think, A, a better person, B, a more spiritual recovering person, and C, probably a better Jew. But I, I choose to believe there need be no conflict, and I quit the debating society, especially in that context. I don't want to prove it to anybody. It works for me. And so... I mean, it might not work for a more religious person uh, of my faith. It might not. But I'm not interested in winning them over. I'm interested in being happy, joyous, and free, which uh, I have a good combination with right now. Good, good question. Thanks. Sure. Welcome from Oregon. I, 
Yeah, I walked in the first day and I wrote down on a little piece of paper because I was so anxious that first meeting. I was hoping if I wrote, I didn't have to make eye contact with anybody. Um, I wrote three meals a day, nothing in between, uh, no sugar, no bread, no alcohol, no fried foods. I still eat the same way. And the funny thing is, a long time ago, there were three mavens when I first got to OA. Other than my sponsor. There were three mavens. He wasn't in L.A. for part of the time. So the three mavens, one said, honest to God, I said, how do you work this program right? And Larry W. said, get a food plan that works, and you work from there. I said, great. Talked to Richie, and Richie said, get right by God, and everything works. Perfect. I talked to Bill Bluestein, and Bill said, work the steps, and everything will be fine. And these, all three men were long-term, large weight loss, uh, two of them sober, and gurus, not that we have them, but they were smart people. And they all told me exactly different things. And I couldn't go the step route, because I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. I couldn't go the spiritual route, because that made even less sense. But I kept reading at the end of the first step, the second to the last paragraph. I love being able to do this. Because I spent 30 years not knowing what page, you know, uh, page 83 of the big book was. I mean, I, I, I couldn't find a page in the big book. Um, but the second to the last paragraph of the first step says something like, Working the remaining 11 steps means the adoption, the adoption of actions and attitudes that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking would even think of taking. So, and then I heard Natalie, may she rest in peace, uh, uh, my, my grand sponsor, who used to say, it is about the food, and it's not about the food, and it is about the food, and it's not about the food. And I'm writing this shit down thinking, this lady's nuts. <laughs> uh, but she explained that when the food is in order, it's not about the food at all. Twelve steps is not about how not, how not to overeat. Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't tell you how to put down, uh, okay, put down the booze, put down the bottle, and then work a 12-step program. Because no most, no, almost no one's still drinking with fathom of taking the actions that we have to take in recovery. So it's a step before the first step as far as I'm concerned. But I was fortunate. Some people get struck godly and everything else falls into place. And some just work these steps until they can't write anymore and then they get abstinent 42 years later. I walked in and I said, this is the way I'm going to eat. And I, maybe it was another diet. Maybe it was. I don't know. I don't even care. I walked in and I never had bread again. I had bread in 40, uh, 36 years. And I, I, I don't even remotely... I mean, people say, do you miss it? It's only new people who always ask, do you miss it? I don't, miss it. I don't even think about it. I got married twice. I didn't have wedding cake. My, neither wife cared. I didn't drink uh, the, 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 the toast uh, with wine because I don't drink. I'm not an alcoholic. I drank like one and I stopped early before program. And I have no business drinking. I just have no business drinking. I fell down. I ran red lights. I was, but I never had to do what alcoholics have to do to get sober. So I don't want to honor that by saying, yeah, I'm a recovering alcoholic. No, I'm not. I'm a guy who's better off not drinking. The world's a safer place. <laughs> Decaf and no alcohol. I mean, the world's a better place. So I eat the same way. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat bread. Um, I don't think I eat any fried food. I don't eat chips. Uh, that kind of stuff and I don't drink and I don't think there's anything particular with food I do or don't do and if you ask 10 people with long term abstinence and a fair amount of weight loss maintenance you'll probably hear 10 different things uh, this group of guys that I go to the, visit the 600 pounder with the first week you want to know how we eat one eats bread 
and some don't. Some eat bread, some don't. Some drink alcohol, some don't. Some eat sugar, some don't. Some eat three meals a day, some don't. And all of them were 100 pound, long term abstinent, recovering men. So who's right? He kept asking, but what's the right answer? Um, I quoted another out of uh, program literature to him. The, the title of a book in the 70s was, If You Meet the Buddha on the Road, Kill Him. And it was about the admonition that you don't let anybody tell us what... It's how the evolution of the food plan has gone. You come in in the 70s and they say, eat this way. You come in now and they say, get a food sponsor or buy a book. Or get a doctor or go to a diet plan. Do whatever the heck you're going to do. Get a food plan that will have you working toward, consistently toward, uh, an ideal body weight. Okay, now you have a food plan. Now stick to it. <laughs> and now let's talk program. Now let's talk program. And I was blessed that way. I get it. My route could have gone a very different way. So. Stephanie. Uh, thank you. Um, was always great. was always different. I was wondering about... Um, how you work through resentment, either in the rooms and, and out of the rooms, uh, in any uh, fellowship, um, how you work resentment so that you can be on the other side of not letting you know, you up or anything like that. I'm working through something. So I c- well, here's the thing. I have to be. There's a there's a page on, um, in the third edition which is still my Bible, that's a story of um, Bell of the Bar. And I keep referring to that. It's about, I've got a quote. I can give it to you later on. Uh, it's, it's about honesty. And it talks about, the woman talks about having to get honest with myself about everything. So real quick, I work in Brentwood. And uh, 25 years ago, uh, I'm sitting at a table by myself in the morning. And there's a man sitting about this far away at his own table. He accidentally knocks over his cup of coffee. He looks around. He doesn't see anybody looking. Picks up and moves to another table. Now he's looking. And I, not being in a fit spiritual condition, <laughs> said, you're not going to leave that shit there, are you? And this is an older guy. And he said, give me your shirt. I'll wipe it up. <laughs> I hate being out, uh, out jacked. <laughs> so I went home that day. I probably talked to my sponsor of the day. And I don't remember what process I went through. But it hit me. What was my part? What was my part? I said, I've never seen this man before. I'll never see him again. So it's, it's irrelevant. I don't have to do anything. Hello. Next morning, I'm opening up the door to Noah's bagels. And on the other end of the door is this man. And before I eat, before either one, I go, I'd like to apologize. And he sticks out his hand. He said, no, no, no. I'd like to apologize. And I said, it was none of my business to stick my nose in your business. And he said, no, it was totally irresponsible to leave the coffee. I don't even know what I was thinking. I'm not like that. I shook his hand. When he died two years ago, we had had 22 years of friendship. When his, first, his ex-wife, his first wife died, he tracked me down and asked for a hug. He's not a program guy. He happened to have been a psychiatrist. Just saying. Um, but today, the, the math... Um, again, I'm the adult child of the Jewish accountant, right? So the, the math goes like this. If when I met you before a program and you were 99, you were 1% wrong. You were 1% wrong and I was 99. My view of the world was, let's look at your 1%. And whether I talk to him ever again, ever again, what I today know for fact is if today you are 99% wrong, 
and I'm 1% wrong, I strive, not always successfully and not always successfully initially, to look at my 1%. What's my part? And um, I would say this, I work with couples sometimes, and if the Mansons came into my office, and Mrs. Manson tried to say, you think Charles has some pathology here? <laughs> I would talk to her about any contributions she may make to fueling the crap, even with a, with a him. So, even when, I've got to look at my part, and I've got to set aside the ego, which would tell me I'm not in, because I was, boy, I don't want to admit. So, first I talk about it, then I sometimes write about it, I mostly talk about it, I certainly pray about it, and uh, that's what I've got outside uh, uh, resources for, too. And? On that same note, do you ever have a, any, uh, yeah, if I can be gentle with the proverbial inner child, outside issue, um, there's something that's being tweaked. If the light on my dashboard goes off, I mean, I get annoyed, but I don't get mad at the dashboard. It's giving me a piece of information that I have to have to improve the functioning of my car. Do I like it? No. It's going to be tedious, time-consuming, and probably expensive. If I find out something right here, and it's pointed out to me by my sponsor, my therapist, my wife, or any number of other people, it's fine with me. Once I have my original reaction, which is to recoil from honesty, like a hot flame, um, um, in a quiet moment, I know, I know, I know. And that's where that um, came to know a source of information within me. And if I don't know exactly what it is, I don't have to worry. I have to know that I play a part in it. And the AA literature is, is just filled with, that's the only part I get to look at. I don't get to look at their part. I don't get to look at the absurd things they've done to me. And I start out that way when I call my sponsor or I talk to my therapist. I can't believe what they've done this time. And, but you know what? It's a lot quicker lag time, and I don't argue as long if they point out to me, okay, their bullshit notwithstanding... What's going on with you? And I hate it. And you know what? And I love it too. Because I, I, I really want to get better. I mean, uh, I, you know, I've only got another 30, 40 years to go. And I want to get, keep getting better. Carol. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for sharing. Um, you talked about writing that you do most days and not every day. And I'm just wondering, can you tell me, is there any particular format? Do you do it at a certain time? Do you do it What's your writing? I happen to write every day because we go paragraph by paragraph through every piece of literature uh, we can find. And so, um, and sometimes my writing is really on point and high quality and introspective. And some days it's pointed out to me and some days it doesn't have to be that it sounds like a freaking book report. And, you know, I'm reporting things that I'm, I'm, I'm re rephrasing the, the paragraph. You know, today I can say the more of that I do, the less introspection I do, the less growth I have. Very simple. I can keep doing it that way forever. But I, I, I bust myself as often as my sponsor busts me on that. Because I, I, so I don't have a format. And I mostly write in the middle of the day. Because I, I, I take breaks a lot during my day. And um, I'll sit and write. I, like peace. I, I did that when I first got the program. There used to be a cafe casino uh, by the ocean. And I'd sit there and I'd bring out my big book. And I'd just stare at the ocean and write. And for me, it was really uh, the most peaceful place. Plus a lot of Starbucks nowadays. What's the plural? Yeah, yeah. I don't do a lot of the other kind of writing because I mean, maybe I could and maybe I should and maybe after today I will. I, I will. But um, 
I have not been one for whom just talk therapy and talk has not been productive. For many people, it's just it's a jerk off. So, um, thank you guys, and uh, keep coming back. Thank you.